take me back when I was a kid. Never had to worry about what I did. But I'm a man now. What's the plan now? Gotta get it done. No time for fun now. Take me back. Boom. On the road in the east with my good friend Bob Saget. My good friend Mike Young. And we're in a SUV, and you know what happens in those things. Nothing good. Except for this podcast. We're we're in the back of an SUV right now. Not the back. That's like we're losers. Like we're being smuggled over some border. We're in two great seats in the back of an SUV. And we want to tell them where we just were. Do we want to keep it more? I mean, I'm going to make this an evergreen podcast so they could play at any time. And Mike and I. So so Mike Young and me are on the road. Bob's about to take over my podcast. Go ahead. Tell him everything. No, let's not tell him nothing. We're always on the road together. We do. We write together right now. We're doing all kinds of stuff. We're working on a script because Mike's a brilliant writer and uh, we're going to do something really cool. Thanks for saying that, Bob. I've told the people about the show. You wrote it it for me to say that. He's such a good writer. You wrote, let me read it again. Mike's such a brilliant writer and I'm just reading what you wrote. (laughs) Yeah. But uh, yeah, I'm excited about uh, our gigs. We are, we're out, out touring. You can find out wherever I am at uh, what's my website? <laughs> is, the, is the show over? We just started. It's the end. <laughs> yeah. Your website is bobsaget.com. What's your website? MikeYoungComedy.com. Find me at Real Mike Young. Good night. That's what it says on there? No, this is the opening. It's uh, stories that need to be told. Mike Young and Bob Saget. I couldn't be happier to have you on my podcast. Well, you're one of my best friends. It's kind of bizarre that we're talking. We usually just talk to each other. So talking on this thing. Is no big deal. No, you're letting people into our lives. And and if you hear sound right now, that's my stomach because I took 12 Imodium. <laughs> but we are, we're on the road. We're and we're on. driving hours from one gig to another by a lovely driver who's who's very, very handsome man. The, and, uh, the craziest thing about Bob is he is you are an iconic figure. You have been working for forty some years in comedy, television, doing everything. I'm getting Yet so you, damn old. It's so weird. No, but you still work your ass off, and we are like we are road dogging it with high quality gigs. Most people that aren't even at your level, they would have taken an airplane to this little spot that we're going to. We're going to Bethlehem right now. It's a four I hour we drive. Saying where we're going. Well, we're on our way to Bethlehem. We were in D.C. last night. We had a killer time. We we uh, we were at the Warner Theater. We're not dating this, but now you can find out. It, this is not an evergreen podcast now. No, but it doesn't matter. No, Because it they doesn't. know we're on the road. They and know I, we're and the I road. play Warner Theater once or, you know, every one or two years anyway. You're definitely going to go back because you love that damn. We had a festival last night. It was like Purim. <laughs> You don't know any. You don't know anybody that knows what Purim is. Listening to your podcast, I've who got, listens to this? I got thirteen Jews. Five thousand people listened to it last month. Seriously? Yeah. Wow. You sure it wasn't the same person five thousand times? It could be. I have no idea. CBS runs this thing. I have no idea. Oddly enough, we're pitching with CBS, but I'm I'm in the that's radio world. That's good to say that. That's going to help us a lot that we're mentioning it on the podcast. I'm in the Maybe radio that's who's world. listening. Meanwhile, look at that cloud. Look that, at that cloud. That's a that real cloud. good thing. That's a good... I'm cloud. not even kidding. It's that, is, that is a major thunderstorm, maybe tornado cloud. Well, Mike, this is our as last we all podcast, know, we it, love you. Mike, we know it's the end of the world. Everybody watches the news. I mean, North Korea wants to launch a nuclear warhead at, at the U.S. Well, that's what it would look like right there. Maybe they'll hit my ex-in-law's house and everything will be fine. <laughs> So I'm right now. I'm working with Bob. I'm, we're help, we're developing a show together, a half hour premium cable. Don't tell show. him more. Don't tell him more than that. All right, that's it. But we're working full, together a full lot. Full frontal. There's a lot of full frontal. Yeah, we do a lot. We actually go out together. We're buddies. Yeah, we go out together. We, we hang. We, we, we have been drinks hanging together. We, we met 12 years ago when uh, you were writing on Entourage. Yep. And I was uh, doing some cameos, playing the despicable, uh, more misogynistic uh, Bob. And a friend of ours at the time told me while I was performing in Tempe that Bob Saget's coming through town the next day. You should stick around and meet him. That was 12 years ago. And then he said, you should tour with Mike. Mike's a really good comedian. And then I saw Mike and I went, this could be a hell of a lot of fun. And not only is he a great comedian, and don't thank me for saying it. I'm just stating fact. He's just really a great, solid comedian. He's got this single mic thing going, which you know about because you're listening to the podcast. So you know what he does. Talks about problems with the world, the dating. How do you, 
how do you do it? It's tough to get through it, you know. And how do you how do you ask a girl to leave nicely when you don't really like her? And but but you want to be kind. You're looking for somebody good out there, and you wind up at a strip club in Vegas and places you don't necessarily think are the higher ends of life. But Mike is a good man with a big heart, and uh, and chicks dig him. I don't know what the, uh, chicks. That doesn't sound nice. Small hens and capons and little <laughs> tiny turkeys, miniature turkeys, love him. <laughs> yeah. Poultry. Mike is loved by poultry everywhere. Thanksgiving, he's a hero. Am I gonna settle down, Bob? You are gonna settle down. You know why? Because you're just gonna get so old. You're gonna want somebody to bring you some ice cream. That's all I want. Yeah, I, right I now, I'm getting all my own ice cream. You'd be perfect for a nursing home in about forty years. <laughs> yeah. You might be one of those guys that would. You want a kid? Do you? I want do one? want a kid. I do want. I love kids. Well, we're on the we're on our way now to a, a big gig, and it. Uh, you, but you said Bethlehem, so it doesn't sound like a big gig. It sounds like we're in Israel, <laughs> and we're gonna get stoned to death. But but because uh, it's hard to get to Bethlehem in Israel right now because they. They, there were a lot of confrontations and stuff. I'm hoping it's getting easier there. I wish we were playing there tonight. Are you thinking I'm going to maybe get someone pregnant tonight and just no, move no, to Bethlehem? Mike, Mike, I like the Mike, small town. I love Mike, small town living. Mike, this I'm is, ready to this live in a small where, town. Look, the, all, all, of the, um, all of the refineries that were there are, are, are dead, and so the industry has had to change gears. And they've got these amazing, you know, steel-working plants still set up. It would cost hundreds of millions to knock them down and dig it up. You can't dig it up. So it would be, you know, level it out and build something on it. But uh, they haven't done that. So, you know, it's like the Billy Joel song, Allentown, you know. And now they're coming out of their depression, which has been a very difficult time here in in cities like this in the U.S. And they built this beautiful place that everybody plays a lot of people and you know some of the the biggest names of course don't but 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 (laughs) (laughs) but the almost really big names do yeah those three not four star people but uh bethlehem you're a big name you're a big name in in my mind in your mind in my mind everywhere we go people are just rushing you everywhere it's like ridiculous because they see my money belt in my fanny pack right below my fupa they know you're over tipping yeah, and they know I overtip. So. Do you still love doing stand-up on the road? Well, you know the answer to that. I can't. I mean, it's last night yes. I did an hour and 45 minutes, and I don't know. Well, I'm trying to work on a new special because I want to do it, and I don't want to do it until after the election's over because I, it's too much on everybody's mind. It's too much a pain and too much name-calling and too much bullying, and I want it all over, and I want the repercussions that will come from it to be over. So that's probably like December, and I need to know who won. So I kind of, and I need to make sure people aren't angry, and because I'm not a political satirist, obviously no. I talk about my wiener. So right, you so know, you sing songs not, about it. Oh God, there's not a, never enough time. Most of my songs actually, oh, my new stuff's about relationships, as you know. It's yeah, about, we talk about the same stuff in a weird way. We talk about relationships. We talk about, you know, I was married 20 years ago, but then I've had a bunch of girlfriends, and now I've finally met a. A really uh, wonderful girl. Not that the others weren't wonderful, but they're all in the garden shed. <laughs> yeah. locked they in weren't there. the best, but you got a great girl. That's true. We were all out last night. We had a blast last night. Bob is definitely dating a cool, cool girl, cool woman. She's a woman. She's well-rounded. Yeah, she's a woman. That's new. She's got well-rounded. You make her sound like she's from Switzerland. She eats a lot of chocolate. <laughs> no. The no. funniest thing about Bob on the road is before the gig. I hope he they goes, can hear us over this engine. <laughs> they can hear everything. There's a storm going on outside. We are literally in a car. But the funny thing about you, Bob, that I love is all like the last like four out of seven of the last gigs. An hour before the gig, you're like, I don't know. Is anyone showing up? What are we gonna do? We're gonna get out of here and go get dinner. And as soon as Bob gets on stage and he starts rolling and rocking and feeling the love. He stays on for an hour and a half, and he kills it. But and that's it's the been... truth of a lot of comedians, too. Right. You know, some some people, like, I really look up to always have. Jerry Seinfeld always loved him. There's an hour and ten. You do an hour and ten. You don't need it anymore. And he's right. For a long time, like tonight we're doing a casino gig. They want an hour, an hour and ten. They don't want you to go over. They want people to go into the room and, and gamble. And that's why they build these these pretty nice places in the middle of nowhere you would think nowhere but they get casino licenses and it's a lot of work and it's a lot of shady business dealings and the owners are like oh you're going to meet the mayor of of doom you know these guys come up and they go we saved this place right and they did they did and then then there's a lot of places that I, i still enjoy playing that are like the casinos and they're some of them are giant venues 
and they're paid for and they're owned by the um, American Indian uh, who were who won that in the settlement, you know, <laughs> and and they got that, they got gambling, but you know it would have been better if they hadn't been play? slaughtered three hundred years, well ten thousand. How long ago were all the Indians slaughtered? Right before Thanksgiving? Yeah, before last Thanksgiving. Yeah, so for Thanksgiving's sure. like my favorite holiday, but it's based on Murder. you know, hey, would you like some corn? No, we're gonna we're gonna stick this shovel in your head, you know. <laughs> And, and those women are going to be ours, except for that one. Yes. But, well, so, aside from slaughter, we're out to we're out to entertain people. I, my my reason for doing it is, people need to be entertained, and they need. Basically, the theme of my show brings everybody into it. I, I love the audience, and they and I feel that they're having a really. I want them to have a great time. I want them to go home, forget for a couple hours when they see our show that they have the lives that they have that are we all have no matter who you are no matter how much money you have or don't have when you turn on the news you go oh my god please i mean you wake up in the morning and find it out who grabbed some weapon and went into some place and we just need to we're Heal part of the healers. laughter we're part of the it really is healing through laughter yeah. i mean um, you don't even get angry when somebody gets boisterous at your at your in your crowd, which I if love. They're Some really, comedians if they're really bury evil, them. If they're, well, I'll bury them. But no, I no mean, you bury them in a way that like still settles the crowd, and they're okay. Like you, you have a sweet nature where some comedians will rip their head off and, you know what I mean? The well, they don't know anything. Coming. I mean, I learned from, you got a different I mean, style. Don, Don Rickles is a friend of mine. So if you want to learn crowd work, you know, I was 17 years old sneaking in to watch him open for Frank Sinatra at the Latin Casino in Jersey. So, you know, and now he's legitimately my friend, even though he, does, he says he's not. But we went to <laughs> dinner and a couple nights before dinner, he was like, how do I get you to, out of my life? You know, he just wants me gone. Did but you meet him when you when you were seventeen, or when when did you meet Rickles and I, I became I a friend Rickles of his? I met Rickles a couple times, but then I directed the movie Dirty Work and I put him in it. So he played the theater manager, uh, and Norm Macdonald and Artie Lang. Uh, the idea was they were they were being paid because he treated everybody so crappy to ruin his life, and so instead of running the movie uh, Men in Black. They ran uh, a movie called Someone Like Men in Black Who Like to Have Sex with Other Guys. And they changed that. That's what they ran, and it ruined his his career. Um, and he was absolutely just hilarious. And he was an you know, man started as an actor years ago. Nobody knows that, but and he was, was a an actor. And yeah. he was a casino. He was in Casino, and he's a really good actor. And he's just a really dear, dear friend. I'm was he an actor before he was a comedian? Yeah, he studied in New York with all some of the greatest actors that exist. He knows a lot of the guys that were old, old school. Yeah, he was running around with guy. the Brandos yep. and the I mean, George Brass. He, he was in that. movies with with Clark Gable. I mean, the guy was really out there. Burt Lancaster what was it Run Silent, Run Deep? I think he was in. And he was in Kelly's Heroes. He was hilarious. In I that. remember. Yeah, in that Clint Eastwood movie. But anyway, he's the crowd work guy. If you're gonna, and Rodney Dangerfield was a friend of mine. The opposite of Don, really. Uh, more of a, I mean, Rodney was kind of a blue act, and and his and his audience. He was 58, by the way, when he got in Caddyshack. So he was already like, I'm, he was just I'm doing 60. road gigs up until then. Road gigs, Tonight Shows. Johnny Carson loved him, and he was uh, Vegas, a lot of Vegas. And hilarious, just freaking hilarious, and and um, and then um, you're a combo of Rodney and Rickles. I don't know. You I mean, are I'm so, trying are. now to get more real and to talk about things that are more upsetting, and yet find humor in them. And like death, you know, like losing my mom, losing my dad, people having problems, not taking them to the darkest place in the world. But I kind of. Uh, been watching a little more Richard Pryor, who was who was a friend. I mean, I was in a movie with him called Critical Condition, and I was the house MC at the Comedy Store for eight years. So that was a uh, both a blessing and a total curse. Because was he a, was he a star when you were there? Oh, he was he was the king. I mean, they Robin Williams put a cape around him. He was the king. They put a crown on him one night. It was it was Robin and Richard and Letterman was hosting. Letterman was one of my first MCs and. I mean, it was a it was a comedy store is most like now, like it was in 1978. But is there a there is no prior right now? I mean, when well, you saw well, prior, did you know that there was? Well, everybody that he knew. Was I mean, no, when he went up, king. the standing ovation, and you you go, oh my God, this is this is the best thing. This is the best performer, best 
I mean, he he was uh, incredibly beloved. He was very honest in his comedy, probably more even than his life. He would get on stage and he would just work stuff out. And then when he would do it in one of the movies, he you just went, oh my god, this guy is, and and he was just funny. Actually, I asked him, when did you know? I asked this of every comedian, when did you know you were funny? And most of them say around the same time, which was four years old. He knew at yeah. four that he was funny because he could make people laugh with just a facial expression. And he was a genius at, at maybe the best stand-up that will ever live. No I doubt. Mean, that's, what, that's, that's my opinion. I mean, I listen to his albums. I listen to that box set on Warner Brothers. And yet I the love... The tiny rooms, the big rooms. Right. He's the and king. I, and I love Bob Newhart. I mean, I could listen to that, you know? I listened to his comedy albums when I was a kid. There's a couple other people I loved that I used to look up to till they started knocking chicks out and having their way with them with a briefcase full of pills. I know. It's such a bummer. That's, don't you, say the name. Don't no, say not, the name. I'm not. We, are, we all know we're talking about um, Jim Gaffigan. <laughs> Jim Gaffigan really gets off on knocking girls out, and his wife, Jeannie, is thrilled with it. featuring radio and TV personalities talking business, sports, tech, entertainment, and more. Play it at play.it. Take me back when I was a kid. Never had to worry about what I did. When you were at the comedy store, Bob, did you know that there was something special going on before everybody it. started getting those deals? His name's Jeannie, isn't it? I think it is. I better be. Go ahead, sorry. If not, well, I'm really sorry, Jim. When you, were, when you were... And Jeannie... When you and hopefully Jeannie, when you were at the store, did you know something was bubbling? Did you know that you were in a special place before everyone started getting their deals? Yeah, because the people I was surrounded by that I was watching were Michael Keaton doing great stand-up, great, and uh, you know Jeff Altman, people that some people didn't know as well as years have passed by. And then I remember Billy Crystal was on soap, and I was sitting in the back. He, came, I had gotten off stage, and he sat and talked with me because he thought I was funny, and I was 23 years old. And so I was getting, you know, uh, validation from people. I mean, I specifically remember it. And Richard, one night, I remember my ex-wife was there and my parents were there. And I was just talking to Richard for a while. And I think my ex-wife was upset that I wasn't talking to her. But, you know, I was talking to Richard Pryor. Talking to the king. I mean, we got priorities, right? And, um, I mean, pretty much everybody. I, uh, Sam Kennison I'd met in Houston when he was booted from a club for um, uh, just being too raw and too ruckus. Because he, Sam uh, was a faith healer, you know. He was yeah. a, a, a preacher. Yeah, preacher and a, set up the tent show and they would do all this crazy stuff. And 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 Sam got on at the comedy store, but I, I teed up his showcase with Mitzi. So I sat with Mitzi while he was on. But he didn't need me to do anything for him because once he got on stage, it was the end of that. You know. So and what then, you got, Kennison, his first show yeah. in front of Mitzi. Yeah, on a Monday night, and I and I got Michael Richards his first spot at the Improv. Wow. He said, "How can how can I get into the Improv?" And I said, "Well, don't say this word." <laughs> <laughs> did Mitzi love you from Jump Street? Like right away, were you did were you guys? Well, did she, was she a fan? Did you get passed quickly at of the me? store? Yeah. Well, I, I came out to L.A. from Temple University Film School, and I won the student Oscar. So the Academy flew me out, and I won this little student Oscar for a documentary I made. And, um, and so Mitzi, I, I went up with my guitar, and I sang while my guitar gently weeps and water poured out of my guitar. <laughs> I had a valve and a garden hose. It was a prop bit and a parody. So, you know... You're losing on all levels with comedy. But people <laughs> laughed because it was nobody would do that. Who would do that? And I was doing stand-up and guitar songs, before, parodies, you know? Yeah. I was everything you're not supposed to be. And then it took me a long time to take the guitar off and eventually just be a stand-up for a while. And then I, music's always been part of what I do. So I do. I, I love doing my music at the end of my sh second half of my shows. But Mitzi saw me and said, you should come back. When you're back here, I said, well, I got to go back to Philly because I'm, I'm finishing school and all this. Come back, I'll make you a regular, which meant you work for nothing at the time. But it's the greatest feeling of all time. Uh, it, was, it was a great feeling to be made a regular. And then I started emceeing at the Westwood Comedy Store. And then the original room is where it all happened, where 
I basically met everybody that was around. I mean, it was the only person I didn't get to meet was Freddie Prince because he had sadly passed away right before I came out. Okay. But that was when the comedy boom happened. So it was Jimmy Walker and Skip Stevenson and Letterman and and uh, and Robin was always in. And I mean, I, my God, it was it was just the class you came up with crazy. is legend. It was Shanling and Louis Anderson and and. Um, I mean, it was, it was, we didn't think we'd see, oh, I remember bringing Eddie Murphy up in the main room I was hosting, and he was working out raw, so he comes up uh, on a Friday night in like an all blue leather uh, suit, and he uh, he does it, and he does, I mean, he, he walks on stage, and it's, you know, it's magic, and the audience stands Star. to their feet, and then he does it, and it's pretty good, you know, it's pretty good, it gets great applause at the end, but it's pretty good. Comes back one Friday later, just the following Friday, and as the tr- actor that he is, as the comedic genius that he is, it he did an extra like whoa 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 that was a close truck. You almost listened to us crash into a truck. That would have been a bad moment. All right. Uh, I think we're, our our interview is so compelling we're endangering our own life. <laughs> yeah. Are you okay? Yeah, I'm good. I'm good. Okay. Okay. Oh, yeah, yeah, I'm good. good. I want to clean out my under. I just gotta admit, <laughs> yeah, my underpants good. are full. But um, <laughs> but uh, that second time he came back and he was in the in, in a red suit, red leather suit. So he meant business. He was going into the in the depths of. If you're wearing all red, you're just making a statement. He destroyed on the oh, second. I, the walls rumbled. The building shook. The entire building shook because that was about what is it, four fifty or something? Yep. And it just was spectacular, and and he and he knew it. He knew exactly what he was doing. He had the he had that princely Galahad ego mixed with I'm funnier than anybody. I'm funnier than well, not that he's funnier than anybody else, but he always looked at himself and kind of like I'm the Beatles, you know, of comedy. And, yeah, he really believed he was the, Elvis. And, and there's nothing wrong with with that if you have that and you and you deliver and you got a reason for believing it if you believe it and you're not then you're just a hot dog piece of poo right and mm-hmm. i don't like it right but if you're if you are that you know what are you going to do if somebody says hey i think i'm funny and then you watch him you go damn it you're funny you know right. and Eddie there, are, there are good people his ego matched his talent that is exactly correct and so that was the beautiful thing that I got out of working all those years. Suffering, though, because everybody got a show before I did. Everybody left. Howie Mandel, Arsenio, all these guys are getting shows. You know, Letterman's a senior to me, so... Uh, you saw Letterman when he was the host of the comedy he store? He was one of the people that brought me out on stage one of my first times up. Here's a nice young man from Philadelphia, Pennsylvania, you know, and that's when he was doing his big joke about... You know those little uh, the pieces of toothpaste that get stuck in your sink make a lovely after-dinner mint? You know, <laughs> and that was his big joke. He says that's the only joke he ever had. And then I was on his show, like, uh, you know, 13 times or something. Not that I'm counted exactly. but <laughs> That's but incredible. Was, well, it's incredible because he he's just the best. I mean, he's, and I, I miss him terribly. I miss, I miss seeing him. I miss, I miss him being on stage. I, I miss him being on stage. I miss him being on the air. Late night, I feel like late night needs his voice. Like, needs another calm, somebody that listens. Like, well, another artist and, that listens. And you know as well as I do, there ain't a lot of real estate. So, right? you know, they're going to be moving things around. I don't know what they're going to be doing. But that's, we don't need to talk about that. When but. You, but when you saw Letterman on stage, did you know he was special? Did you? Oh, my God. It was, a, it was unbelievable. It was the most like Carson. You know, and when he came out and he did Carson the first time, I remember seeing it. And... Um, I remember when Gary Shaling did Carson the first time. I was there, and uh, I was standing there uh, with our manager. And you went to the Carson show with we, him, with Gary hosting, yeah. And Gary got off stage, and he and he. Uh, it's a long time ago, and I miss him very much, and uh, have a bit of an unrequited thing with him, which I wish could be different. Maybe one day it will be. If there is an afterlife, I know we'll be having butt sex, but. Uh, I loved him, and he was absolutely hilarious. He and, was um, hilarious, and uh, uh, and he hugged me and, and was crying, and and he said, "I don't know what to do now because this is all I ever wanted to do," 
and I just hosted The Tonight Show. And then he went on, of course, to make a couple of great television shows and maybe one of the best half hours ever, The Larry Sanders Show. So Absolutely. And that, was, um, and that was a special time. And then he had me. The first time I was ever on The Tonight Show was with Gary. He put me on, and Peter LaSalle did it, and my manager, Brad Gray, got me on. and and uh, But Gary made it happen. And then the second time was with Johnny, and then... And then another time with Leno, and then another dozen times with Johnny. So, a lot of good things happened from from having gone through what I went through. You got to go through the, the the torture of learning what it's like to bomb, learning what it's like. To, I mean, I was I had a sketchy set a few months ago. Uh, Chris Rock was getting ready for the Oscars. I don't know, was it four or five months ago? Yeah, at the com- at, you talking about right, at, at the, the comedy, comedy store. store, right? So he's working out his stuff and. And Dave Chappelle had been playing around with him and kind of helping him with stuff, bouncing stuff back and forth, and you know, nine Jada Pickett Smith jokes and all kinds of stuff. You know, right? I saw him. Working she was out. nominated. She wouldn't be boycotting. You know, that kind of thing, and just fun to watch. But I had called the comedy store. I'd just done a set at the Laugh Factory. I really felt sometimes when I really have to try something new because I want to do a new special and I just want to have new stuff. I can't do the same stuff. I, I evolve anyway, but. And, I, and I'd call the comedy store, and they said, oh, yeah, come on in. And so it's like quarter to one, and I'm like, Chris is going up. I, I thought I was next. And they're like, no, and, you know, we, we're not, we're not going to tell Chris he can't go up now. And uh, Chappelle had just gotten off, so I was waiting for Chappelle to get off. And then Chris went up, and then I was like, oh, crap, I'm not going on. It's going to be one fifteen. He said, no, they're staying now. They're staying until 2.30 in the morning in the original room. And, and I asked if Dave would, uh, if Paul would stay at the piano as a fave. And we, we kind of went back and forth talking about Half-Baked. And he was telling me he meet, his kid's son meets a lot of people. And last Thanksgiving, I was at this place uh, Dave Chappelle was at in New York. I went with Jeff Ross, and we hung out. And he kept saying that my, you're the only person in show business that my son gives a shit about. He said he doesn't How care about me. He doesn't care what I do. He doesn't care about all the stars I introduce him to. But Danny Tanner was in the <laughs> was there Thanksgiving. But um, how the hell do you explain the phenomenon that is Full House? It's I think a people, honest to God, what is they, it? They need an escape. They need to feel honestly that they don't have to think about a damn thing. And all it does is teach you just it's two dimensional show. It's made for seven year old girls or fourteen year old girls. But now it's got enabled women running it. Candace and Jody and Andrea are doing a great job on, on uh, you know, Fuller House. Yeah. And, and. No, but uh, I mean, my nephews watch it. You know what I mean? 14, 16 year old athletes. Do they wear dresses? No, the little athletes. They dig Full House. I don't mind if they like to dress up as girls. It's the crazy. You have a demographic from 7 to 70. Yeah, I could nail a lot of people. Everybody could, could be arrested. It could be, you should be arrested. I'm uh, I'm very fortunate because, but then you spend you know eight years doing that, and then you spend a long time trying to go. Wait a minute, I'm so funny, and I was the straight guy on the show, really, not straight in every way, but straight in a way of I was the Richie Cunningham of the show, you know. Right. I was a clean freak and a hugger and all that stuff, you know, and by choice, actually, as crazy as that sounds. What do you mean but by choice? You told the uh, I said I want to be like Felix Unger. I want to be like uh, like Neil Simon's great character. I right. said I want him to always want to clean, and I brought the hugging in because I was a hugger by nature. And, yes, you uh, are an extra strong hugger. Can't help, but I have have unusual strength when it comes to hugging. <laughs> yeah. I've uh, when I hug a kid, I their eyes pop out like an onk, <laughs> and their ears <laughs> pop out. The whole damn thing. It's really sad. Oh, is that funny? Um, Bob, was there ever a moment in your career when you were seeing everybody get deals that you thought, you know what, I'm, I'm, I'm going to go do something else? Was there ever a moment that you thought about doing something no, else? No, I just was depressed. I was depressed for seven years. I Literally clinically depressed. I never went to a doctor. I never took anything. Should have been. Should have been on Ritalin as a nine-year-old. Maybe not. Maybe I wouldn't be the hyper nut that took over your interview before it even began. <laughs> but, uh, but I don't I, even need to be here. No, you don't. As long as we get there sometime. 
But we're you were in, depressed for seven years. I wish people were in the car with us right now and see you these this SUV ride we're on. This is incredible. Maybe I'll film something while we're talking. Yeah, do yeah, that. Do yeah, you'll do that. No, but I want to hear. I, I want to seriously. I was no, so you were, depressed. I did this Richard Pryor movie when I was like 26, 27. And then um, Mike's starting to film something. So he, not he can't. Yet. He's not very good at multitasking. There's he's nobody better than Bob at filming, at technical. Like, you could literally. You could be a you could be a cameraman and an editor. I know how to thread a camera. Oh, but we, I'll tell you what I, I did. Wanna, Let me tell you what I did, bro. Go ahead. I, I shot a uh, TV movie, and the TV movie we had thirty five. We were shooting on thirty five. Are you listening at all? I'm listening. He's I'm trying to set up a camera too, Mike. When Mike tries to do two things at once, you know one of them's not going to go well. How great is this? Oh, this is great. He's taking pictures of us, and the mic is blocking my head. Podcasting from the back seat. That's I mean, great. Come on. You look good right there. Yeah, you look good yourself. You don't even have to touch up. That's the only good angle. Nothing. Okay. Done. You done? Got it. That was Mike multitasking. You want to know what kind of guy, what kind of friend I am, and uh, it, it is a very, tan- you're going to keep going? No. It is a very Danny Tanner move, but Mike's favorite shorts are green army shorts. They're new. I wear them every day. And that's comforting because I was holding them, which means they had to have some kind of schmegma on them. But the button popped off, and and we took off a button from inside. And I, in the lobby of a Ritz-Carlton, while we were waiting for our our ride, I sewed the button onto his pants. But I triple-stitched it because my family were tailors. Let so it be known I had my other shorts on at the time. He was holding them and sewing. Oh, he yeah, wasn't doing yeah I didn't mean it to sound like, right. He wasn't pulling, he also like, had a fissure in his words. rectum that I put new skin on, so he's fine now. Thank um, you for that, by the way. What a great sewing job you did. Oh, I thought you were talking about the uh, new skin on your rectum. No. New skin's that liquid stuff. When you cut yourself, you put new skin on it. It's a good product. Is I wish it? I owned it. Yeah. Smells like stuff you would never put on yourself. It's like real strong alcohol and glue. You basically glue a cut closed. That's disgusting. It looks good too. Let's it go turns back to depression. Brown fungus. So it was seven, eight years. I was. Uh, I just never thought I was going to make it, because everybody. I would have little moments, and then I didn't do well in auditions. So I went to acting school for five years. I studied with a guy named Daryl Hickman, and while I was doing that, I was out touring on the road, doing pretty good, headlining because I did music. Right, so you knew you could make a living no matter and what. It's not really a living, but it is. I mean, compared right. to some people, but it but it was, you know, it doesn't lead to a lot of good to be 24 years old out on the road. You're going to go to controlled substances or booze, and you're just going to, you know, kind of like last night. Right. And, no, but it, but you can't do that as you get older. you got to get your work done. you gotta, you got to be... What of, years? Oh. What years were you depressed? What seven years were you thirty? Well, to I was depressed. I think the first thirty years of my life. I mean, what, after nine years old, it was probably thirty years of depression, off and on, and it was just from always wanting to be more than I was. I mean, all I ever wanted to do, as the T-shirt says, is direct, and I've directed a few things, but I really—that's why I'm excited about a project. That if I can get the people to put the money in the bank. You always wait. It's like you got the money, you got the stuff. You got the money, you got the stuff. Making an independent movie is a drug deal. Tell me about it. I've done three drug deals. You did a movie that I was in called A Stand-Up Guy with Danny A. And I loved being in that, playing a stalker who sings country-western songs. You were so funny, man. You know what was great? Talking to you before the the movie. The the great was the stuff you cut out. I don't want to talk about that. I fought to I fought to keep things in. We can't even uh, let's not go there. I fought to keep things in last night. It lets night. you know that even when you're the director, you're not the most powerful one. Whoever's well, got you, the money you is are, the boss. If you are a uh, Scorsese, sta- uh, no. If you're an established director that's had a couple hit movies, you, right? If you had one hit movie, Just you give know, me you one direct- hit. Well. Well, you, what, you want to turn this into depression and frustration on this a podcast? No, I was trying to get to your depression. For well, I tell you how bad it was. I was 29. Never thought I'd have a job. Dave Coulier was my friend since I was 17, who, of course, is Joey from Full House. Yep. It's weird when you have to explain who he is, just in case you're one of your 5,000 listeners doesn't know. (laughs) And Dave Dave made a birthday cake for me. And uh, his girlfriend and he at the time, he's married now to a wonderful girl. And Dave has a farting problem. And the woman that he married, uh, Melissa, has no sense of smell. So I don't know how he lucked into that. That's incredible. Because it's There stinks. is a God, if there, that's the there, case. There is, because his his farts smell worse than anyone's I've ever... And I've been around farts. So, you know, I'm proud of... In fact, I look for him. But um, I actually have a detector. It's like a divining rod, but it's <laughs> electric. So... Um, Dave brought out a birthday cake, and instead of happy birthday, it said crappy buttocks. 
and it had an ass on it and had flames coming out of the ass. Crappy buttocks, because I was literally, he has pictures of it. And uh, my ex-wife and I were there, and I was just so depressed. I you just were married was, at the time. Yep. I got married at 26 and got divorced when I was 41, two. I don't know. I'm 110 now. I'm a ghoul. But uh, I just remember being really bummed. And then, uh, I was, then I got this show in New York called The Morning Program on CBS. And that was a big deal. Feel for, you know, I was on Every Day Against Good Morning America and uh, Today Show. And it was 90 minutes a day. I was the third co-host. It was Marriott Hartley, Rollin Smith, me, and Mark McEwen was the weather guy. And they had they, seen you do stand-up? That's how they, they hired did. you? They saw me on a William Morris tape with 50 other comedians. And they picked me, Bob Shanks picked me out of those comedians uh, to be on the show. And I was uh, deemed too hot for morning television. I was, I was just hyper and trying to be funny. And I, I, I thought I was. Sometimes I did some smart stuff. Um, and other times I was just, you know, quick answer, a little bit too PG, you know. So one day they said, it's time for you to go. And I was sitting there with my manager, Brad, and I said, uh, yeah, we want to leave too. So good. So it's an amicable exit, but it, it isn't because they want, you know, they, they wanted me to leave. But I, I had done a screen test for the pilot of Full House. And uh, I screen tested because there was another guy in the part and then they wanted to retest, which they do with a lot of the shows. And uh, at that time they did it a lot. And it was uh, Miller Broyette and Jeff Franklin, these great producers. And uh, I felt unfortunate for taking someone else's work, but they were doing it anyway. They'd already decided to replace. And um, it was odd because Jeff Franklin, who's now producing Fuller House, said, I, I can't believe, because he knew my comedy, because I used to do the warm-up for Bosom Buddies, the Tom Hanks, Peter Scolari show. I love that show. Yeah, it was a great show. It was very, some like it hot, done in the best way possible. Yeah. And uh, by another friend, Chris Thompson. So it's been a tragic few years. You realize, holy crap, people die younger than they're supposed to. Uh, don't I know it? I don't like Yeah, you've had a ton of death, man. ton of it. What's your favorite? <laughs> what was man. The, the hardest one was what, your dad? Yeah, 100%. 100%. My dad, that, 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 that's an every day. That's every day. How old were you? Nine, uh, 20. I was 20 years old. Your brother was? 18. And, uh, and your yeah, mother there's took it about worse. as hard as a person can take it, right? Yeah, she took still, it internally. to this day. Right. Yeah, it, that, you know, certain, certain, certain blows you never get over. That's just the fact. I, certain I, blows I you blow don't get over. I can't get over. Good for you. Congratulations. You, you well, I did it to myself. My girlfriend left the room. Yeah. <laughs> If you get a couple of wire hangers and some clothesline, you can tie yourself into many different kind of contortions. By the way, this is where I call comedy, it jerker, jerker de soleil. This is where comedy, also, so you know, is a true defense mechanism. Whenever anything gets too serious or morose, you go right to comedy. Yeah. And you do that, Bob. You definitely do well, that. You get, turn everything to a joke because you have had life laced with a lot of tragedy, just like I did, just like friends of ours, Kevin... We gravitate towards each other. A lot of our buddies have lost a lot of people yeah, in their the lives. Yeah, the darkness and the attracts light. people because well, you, light comes out of it. Because yeah. basically, I we have something in common. We wake up. I wake up later than you when Much. I can. When I can. What is hey, I'm doing Fuller House has. next week. I'll be getting up early. Okay. You know, 8 o'clock call. you got to get up at 6.30. So I'm not playing around. I could do golf. So, but, you could tell but if I'm working, golf. you know, till if I'm doing a show that's two shows and I'm not done till, you know, one in the morning, I'm I'm gonna sleep till eleven. Absolutely. You know, you're hyper for two hours after that anyway. But and I'm not always gonna just be doing. I don't want to be seventy five going out and doing gigs. I don't know. No, no. You were about to talk about wait the darkness and the light. You, right, you're about right, to say right. you woke. I up. I wake up in the morning happy for the most part, I, and you do too. And then you find out, turn on the news get a phone call, you know, and there's a lot of, we've seen it in a lot of good movies. I believe Moonstruck did it. I mean, there's a lot of movies where the phone rings, someone answers it, it's the middle of the night, and they go, who died? Totally. You know, and I, I think Olympia Dukakis did that in Moonstruck. I'm pretty sure. I fear phone calls that are late. Like, if I see a yeah, relative Well, you know if it's for late. me, it's just Bob's calling. Right, <laughs> right. Discuss. But I've been better. I haven't been calling you as late. Well, you got a girlfriend now. No, that's not why. She's not there. We have a long-distance relationship. 
I know, but still, she t- you call her now, which no, is great. I, I don't know about that. Which is great. I like FaceTime because then you can see, uh, you know, how everybody's looking. By the way, you should the wake up. The only problem we, with we the late wake night. up happy now. Yeah, I do wake up happy. Yeah, and life you is do, beautiful, and you man. Do too. Life is a miracle, and and it is what it is. And uh, you know, you got so many days on this earth. You're watching people get out early, and some of them by choice, some of them just victims of horrible stuff. Yeah. And what's the cause of that? What's you know, you break down the word disease, and it's disease. Are they unhappy? Are they holding shit in? Yeah. You know, I'm what a firm is, believer that certain I am too. I believe you can get cancer, heart attacks, cancer, stress. Uh, sometimes not at all. What I'm saying is total bullshit. You know, you don't get cancer from stress or holding stuff in, but some people do. I, I, you know, I had a sister die of scleroderma, which is hardening of the skin, and she held herself in a lot her whole life. She was this wonderful school teacher, but she she you could always feel there was a tension inside of her. And that doesn't mean that's going to turn into an autoimmune disease. Right, you can if, live to 100 with tension. Right. Yeah, you can, you can. But right, who knows? Uh, nobody knows, and I'm trying to raise money to help. We've been we've raised $36 million for research for scleroderma. So I do an event October uh, 13th or 12th, I don't know, in Vegas. And I'm doing one December 3rd in New York, and it's all the best comedians that exist. Last year it's in incredible. New York, I had Louis C.K. and Michael Che and... And Andy Cohen did the auction with me, and in L.A. we had Jimmy Kimmel and Michael Jim Che did comedy for you. He sure did. Man, is he amazing! You have never seen his stand-up. You have to see his stand-up. He's fucking amazing. I gotta see him. He's, he's from SNL. Yes, and he is. Well, he's from stand-up, and yeah. then got SNL, and he's just a brilliant writer and just a good man, and that's that's where I feel like we're all related. That comedians are related. My birthday party was an example. Stamos and Jeff Franklin, the producer of the Full House thing, threw me this 60th birthday party. I know I'm 60, which is, but I don't seem 60, do I? You seem 41 years old. Well, yeah, especially when I got a girlfriend who's younger than that. Yeah. But she's not, you know, I got you a You don't woman. seem 60 at all. No? I, who, who knows? What the hell does 60 even look like? If you ate better and didn't eat burgers late at night, you'd even you'd be in, in better shape. I didn't, shape. I didn't eat a burger last night. And I had a burger today. No, but I, you know I don't eat do burgers really, all right? the time. I rarely eat burgers. Hey, don't start on the air. Don't don't <laughs> no, start with your podcast telling them what I eat wrong. No, no, no. Bob, Make me sound like Jabba the Gun. No, no, you're not. You're not overweight at all. Well, I am. You're I not. Am. No, yeah, I am. I need to lose a little bit of my my uh, fanny pack. I get rid of that. Take that zipper out. I tried pl- to get you to do 45 cardio wherever you can fit it in. Wherever yes, you can do it. Just, I agree that's with That's where you. the fat burning. Well, I did in. it last night, but it was it was not your normal cardio. That's great cardio, though. By the way. By the way, burning, I I kept telling him the air conditioning was broken. All it was, I was sweating my ass off because I can't go that far. I'm not, <laughs> I'm not digging for oil. No. I mean, my God. I mean, I, two hours is enough. You could have watched a film. I don't even understand how you do it. I don't do that. You I'm know what? Mic. That's an odd thing. I, I think I'm oversexed. I think someone should uh, shackle me and, I don't know, keep me as a gimp in their room. <laughs> You're unbelievable. <laughs> but, um... I think comedy and and, and tragedy. Sat- tragedy are exactly. Uh, I was never the, conscious of that. Like, I've always even had though you a, saw the tragedy comedy masks, even though you, you know that Shakespeare's whole theory, you know that whole the, all all of it comes from the sadness and the happiness. Are right of they're right there. And and the book that I wrote just to plug it uh, called Dirty Daddy was about how through through death, you know, how comedy got our family through all these horrible events. And my dad's gallows humor yeah, was literally what got us through the worst things that could happen. And the worst things that can happen is, you know, the, you, you can count them up and list them. But, you know, if you did the David Letterman's top 10 list. Right. It's uh, a person way younger than they should be. That, my dad was 47. Right, but I, I can see you and raise you if I tell you about a three-year-old that died. Right. You know, or something happened, or an aneurysm, or some car, or... I mean, you, the, every day you read of the tragedy. Every day people know... So, we're going to go do a show tonight for a couple thousand people, and they, that room is full. Two-thirds of that room that aren't young, or that haven't had friends OD... Or you know, get a disease or something horrific. Right. Uh, two, you know, two thirds of that room has has watched terrible stuff happen in their life, and we move forward. And everybody looks to whatever gets them through it, whether it's religion, 
whether it's, you know, self-help stuff, whether it's just, unfortunately, when people turn to alcohol and drugs to get through it, that doesn't help. Because if you're in a bad mood and you're drinking, if you're depressed and you're drinking, it just takes you further into the abyss. Welcome to Play It, a new podcast network featuring radio and TV personalities talking business, sports, tech, entertainment, and more. Play it at play.it. Take me back when I was a kid. Never had to worry about what I did. It's funny, when I was, whenever I've been depressed, I stayed away from alcohol or drugs. Well, that, that's just, what, that makes you a smart guy. Yeah, I mean, and I've just, talked to you I'm, when you go, I'm not drinking right now. And I go, good. You've seen me not drink for a year? You've seen me not drink for a week. <laughs> yeah, at least four days. No, longer than that. You're not I, like a heavy drink. You're not. You're no. all right, man. It's you, a bad you know thing how to when deal with your, I'll you have one cocktail and then somebody will go, hey, would you like an aperitif? And at the end of the meal, I have somebody that's like grain, alcohol, and sugar. What the hell was that last night? I don't night know, that but I required Pepto. Yeah, the after, so. after dinner drinks are overrated. This is good. We have a gig to go to, and we're like, we're going the speed of being in a car wash. I could walk faster. <laughs> Just out of, out of curiosity, how far are we from uh, the venue? Close to 40 hours. I mean, like 40, 40 hours? 40 minutes. 40, 40 minutes? 40 hours would be worse. All right. But that was good, all that, all that dead air for your uh, uh, podcast. That's yeah, good I mean, to listen, wait for. I think the people enjoy the fact that we're nice in a car. Our driver's name is Willie, by the way, and he's a very nice man. And, and he just told us it's 40 hours to the venue. But, it, but he meant 40 minutes because we're recording a podcast. That is, you've never had anybody record a podcast in your car, have you? I literally crawled to the back into my luggage, got the microphone, got it out. Bob put things together because he's a tech wizard. And yeah, but my but the but the iPod, uh, the uh, uh, you know the uh, iPhone earphones do not work with the powerful iPod recorder no, you got. You no. got to use those really strong headphones. You How got great on. are these headphones? You ever run with them? <laughs> no, I don't. No, I don't want to sweat through these things. Not like that. It would look like some professor gone mad. I yeah. mean, they're gigantor. Yeah, you look like uh, Marvin the Martian. Bob, I feel like you're having another, not that you ever needed a resurgence because you're pretty damn steady and you're extremely famous. I've always had every seven years something seems to happen. Is I think it a I'm, cycle? I think this one's like an eight-year cycle where I'm finally getting my shit together where I'll, I'll be able to direct and act in something. I mean, I did a play on Broadway, and thanks for coming to see it. Uh, I in, did come uh, to see it. I know. I said thanks for coming to I'll see it. Michael has amazing listening abilities, but um, but <laughs> I do. But he came and saw me do this play, Hand to God, that I was fortunate to take over. Uh, a man named Mark Kudish who had originated it on Broadway with this cast that was just—I mean, it was Stephen Boyer and and Geneva Carr and um, oh, please don't do the Sarah Styles and. Um, and uh, Michael Oberholzer. That was, was the whole cast. Was and Stephen I, Boyer the kid with the puppet? Yeah, the kid whose hand was the devil. I mean, kid that who's... kid deserves to just work for well, life. He's a 34-year-old kid, but that he is... That man he is, he with is, a puppet. He is working for life. Every single person from that play is working on a series right now, a brand-new series and cool series like Amazon, Netflix, NBC. They're all working on stuff that's edgy and unusual because people saw the play, and they went... I want that person in the play because they're all unbelievably talented. And it was because of my friend Kevin McCollum that I was in this play and I got to play this pastor, a Lutheran pastor. It was a great play. It's it was a, incredible. It's, a, it's an incredible piece of work by a guy named Robert Askins who wrote it. And uh, it, it could not have been a more important and significant thing for um, my career. Uh, just to, yeah, not in terms of what it does for your career, but uh, you, you, doing Broadway, and I've done it a couple times, you just earn stripes. It just does something for you. You just know it. It's like you can ask a guy, like in the audience last night, I said, what do you do? And he says, I'm in the military. And it's like you just stop, you know. And it, what, well, I said, what branch? And he goes, the Army. I, I salute you. I didn't know what the salute was. I think I don't know, I was, I don't know what I was doing, Junior Burnbend or something. And then I had another guy in the audience, and he says he's a big fan. All of a sudden, he, he gets brought up to the stage, and he is a blind man. And he was joking with me, telling me he was blind. And that was a very memorable show at the Warner Theater. I'll never forget it as long as I live. No, he was joking, but he was blind. He was blind. And I thought he, he was not. Up, yeah. And I was making fun of him and telling him he's got to stop, you know, masturbating and the normal jokes you would do. And then all of a sudden he's on stage. He, you know, I, I spent a lot of time with him. And uh, we got a hotel room. No, but it turned out also that uh, he said, I'm the only uh, 
he thought man I'm, he wanted to kiss? No, he, well, he kissed me, and then he <laughs> told me I, he, I'm the only dad he's wanted to fuck, is what he said. And then I was like, oh, my. Um, and then he got huge applause, and, and I spent more time talking with him, and I brought him up on stage and all kinds of stuff. And, yeah, you made and it was dick. just, and he called me a mensch. <laughs> so he was Jewish. After he told me he wanted to fuck me, he told me he was a mensch. <laughs> Yeah, I don't think he would have known Mench right off the bat. No, that was you handled that well. That was a well, wild, I love, wild moment. I love all people, and if they're not mean, um, what I don't understand anything in this world where anybody could profile anybody or not like anybody that exists on this whole damn planet. I agree. As long as I'm, uh, you know. I agree. As long as I'm not in a bad mood or have a headache. Let me ask you this. When you did Broadway, was it tough for you to... Did you have to turn stand-up brain off? Did you do no stand-up? There's no the stand-up brain. It's, when I'm acting, there's no stand-up brain. You can't have anything... I'm analog- saying you didn't do any stand-up during that time. Well, no, I... I you can't, well, um, physically, mentally. Well, I did a couple times. When I, I Near the end of, the, of my run, I only did 75 shows, which is a lot, but not enough. I needed another 100 to really feel... And the cast didn't. They'd done like 350 of them, or 500 if you include all the pre-work they did on it as they workshopped it. But I, I went to the Comedy Cellar in New York, and I took the cast, and I took my daughters, and and uh, Mary-Kate and Ashley came out. You know, I, went, like, I went that night. I went to the play with you. We, we all went to the cellar. And, and that is that for me, going to the cellar and... And and that my kids all uh, respect and love what I do is, and people go, oh, you're so dirty. And it's like, uh, my kids are fucking happy with it. What's your problem? You killed it that night. You came energied up from the from the well, play. Well, I got off at the you from got the off play, stage. and it's all that. And I'm a Lutheran pastor, and it's a physical play. I mean, there's a lot of stuff yeah. I do in it that I got to do in it that it was very. Uh, physical and it's just not that side of your brain it's not the part that riffs it's not the part that i'm using right now this is the stand-up side i guess if you're gonna dissect the brain into stand-up acting directing and cooking the brain (laughs) is divided into those and pull your pants down and try to not miss the toilet (laughs) i've never done that dirty he doesn't he can go right to dirty no matter what dirty that's duty look older people miss the toilet i don't I don't. In fact, my legs have gotten stronger, and I strengthened them just so I wouldn't miss the toilet. Like if in the middle of the night, for some reason, you got to make a deuce come out because you you ate something at night. And you, and you like, wait a second, hold on, Look, give me a second here because I haven't had enough time to talk nonstop. <laughs> you like to eat at night. You'll eat a pizza. I'm a night eater. You'll eat a you'll eat a steak sandwich. You'll eat all kinds of crap. Totally. And I don't. And then you tell me, don't eat this, don't eat that, don't eat that. But when you're telling me, you're, you're like stuffing your face with just shit from some sub shop. I'm just on a different schedule of eating. I understand, but it's you go to I'm bed right shit. after that. No, I do planks. You late. I'll, I'll, planks I'll, is I'll, two days old. I talked to you. You haven't been doing planks for more than two days. I'll do How I'll long I'll have you been box doing? For, I'll throw a thousand punches before I go to bed if I eat before I go to bed. I don't you ever, will? Yeah, I don't just eat and then lay do down. Do you just go out in the alley and beat people up? Or do <laughs> no, you have, I watch television. Do you have a body bag? Me and my brother, well, my brother for, really does it, but like during commercials, we'll shadow box and we'll just use commercial time as workout you time. Because you're out of your mind. We're two animals from Detroit. Right, so that's what you do after you eat. After I eat, the bad, worst thing is you go to bed. So in the night, you got to make a doodle. So you go to make a doodle, especially after that meal last night. Man, that we ate everything. Yeah, and I didn't. I didn't doodle. I just a little queef. That's all I did. And then you go and you go to make the doodle, and that's what I'm saying. I've done so many, uh, you know, squats and stuff and, and leg leg work because I had knees worked on. Yeah, you are I, oddly That I strong. have learned to never ever miss the toilet. And the worst thing that ever happened to me. I've never told you about this. Um, is one night I was sitting on the toilet and and. It's probably a little gross. I mean, I think it's Do too gross. we even need to, You didn't even want to put gross in the show we're working on. And now you're well, about no, to go but deep. That's, but, but this is a different thing. I'd put this in the show. I, I had to sit on the toilet and I had to make a doodle. And for some reason, I was aroused because it was late at night. You wake me up in the middle of the night. We, guys get wood in the middle of the night, correct? Correct. Correct. First thing in the morning. Especially if you, you eat can, sweet potatoes. Sweet, I don't. I hate sweet potatoes. You gotta start eating them. Really? They Trust give me. you wood. Kelly will thank you. Oh my God! Oh, please don't do that. Please don't say her name. It's really upsetting. I meant Jimmy. That's who it is. It's Jimmy. But then, when you when you dig a hole in the bed, it's like you're making a divot. 
on a golf course. You know, you could actually cause a, a spring in the mattress to shoot out. So I, I go in the restroom, and I'm sitting in there trying to clean it up with the restroom instead of turlet. And then I get, I get my unit caught between the seat and the thing under the seat. So it's, I sit oh. on my own girth. <laughs> on whatever wood that I had, I, oh, I crushed it. I geez. bruised it. I didn't hear it crack because it don't got bones in it. You know, it's all muscle. I don't know if you heard about Disgusting. that. Disgusting. Sinews and stuff. What's it made of, anyway? Muscle. I don't know. Silly putty. And then uh, it's made of that Stretch Armstrong material because mine, I can pull on it five feet, you know, swirl it around, then it just retracts like a janitor's key. This is a new bit he'll be doing tonight in Bethlehem. I doubt it. But I, but I sat on my own wiener, and it, and it hurt, man. The next day, I, I couldn't touch it for at least 10 minutes. Nobody transitions better from death, dramatic, and traumatic events into crushing your dick on you a You could toilet. show me, uh, you know, concentration camp footage, and I'll go right into poop. And, and, and women don't like poop jokes for the most part. Bob, do you like directing, writing, stand-up, acting, broad? What's your? Do you have a favorite? I give or a do thousand, you love them all? I love. I give a thousand percent to everything I do, no matter what it is. I do everything I could possibly do to make it good. Sometimes it seems like you're throwing it away when you're doing it because you don't want to force it, you know. But uh, you don't have a favorite. There is, there is a expression. balloon on a truck in front of us, like a hot air balloon that is deflated. It is a truck full of hot air balloons deflated. That's absolutely the first the time I've ever seen that in my life. And we will never see that. I, ha I had a hot air balloon accident once. I was in Vail with my parents and my kids, and we were in a hot air balloon, and we were, we were flying over these guys' houses, and the guy goes, look down below, that's a greenhouse. And that's where pot gets grown. So this guy doesn't let anybody. He I wave to him, but sometimes he doesn't wave back because he's always afraid he's going to get busted, that the cops are going over in a balloon. I'm sure that's how most police travel, in a balloon. And we crashed into the side of the hill and started dragging us down the entire hill. And we're, we're screaming. And the brambles are, like, hitting us in a couple of scratches. And then we land, but the propane tank, which was now out, it was not hot anymore. It goes cold right away, which is what fills the balloon with air. I push on it to keep it from crushing my dad's head. Jesus. Yeah. And then, uh, then we all got out, and then they, they really were jerks about it. They went, we're going to do what we do with everybody. We're going to pour champagne on your head and do a ritual of, boy, wasn't that great we had that trip? Did you slide all the way down the mountain to safety or you went back out into the air? Back to safety would not go back up. I mean, they, they had no place not... You don't take tourists, put them on a balloon and then crash to a mountain and then slide down the mountain. We probably slid, I don't know, 100 feet, 200 feet. It have, just kept going. Have you ever gone skydiving? No, I don't think I ever will because my chute won't open. For sure, no. You're too big to skydive. No, something's just going to happen. I, I am the guy that does, like, dumb stuff. I just, I am that guy. So uh, Like your uncoordinated hand? I've scuba dived before. That was fun. I muff dived. You ever done that? <laughs> yeah. Wore a Not in a week. That, that's how, that, by the way, for you listeners that don't get out much, and <laughs> if you're a dude and you're looking for women, this guy's had to go a whole week without getting it. Women throw themselves at Mike like a crab jumping on the side of a rock. Is that true? Uh, I don't know if that's How true. can you be so... Like would, num numb to it, like you don't know it happens. Uh, girls like me, I would you're say. Single you're single, Mike. You're single, Mike. I am single, Mike. I am single, Mike. And you're and you're fantastic. There's nothing Thanks, like Bob. you. It's been, yo, it's great going out with you on the road. I'll tell you. you know I, mean? love, <laughs> I love. There's a built-in gigantic audience that is amazing for me to play in front of, and you know I appreciate it big time. And we well, have a great I appreciate time you working with me. You got better things to do, and you do it. Because it's me, and you would do it with just maybe one or two other people. That's it. You went out with Sebastian. You had some killer gigs at the Beacon and other places you've done. But your yeah. stand-up is all, re all really ready for you to be headlining. So I'm, yep. I'm just getting to hang out with a bro. And I know that if anything happened, you'd eat a sub sandwich and punch a guy that would hurt me. I got your back, buddy. You know that. That's true. 100%. And, and I would just uh, make a doodle in the middle of the night. <laughs> That's how I'd kill the guy. But Bob throw, knows throw my everybody. Throw doodle at him. Bob knows everybody. And you know what shocks me? You're, like, subtle about it. Like, 
you you don't know athletes, even though you know athletes. But like like last night, you're like you're friends with Pavel Bure, who you know the Bures. They're they're legends in the but hockey. But that's Candace's husband no, is Valerie Bure. My point is, I'm a hockey guy. So you tell me about him, and I know stats. I know how legendary he is. But for you, it's just like a buddy, and you really. Oh, I love him. I don't even know if you know how deep their no, family I do. goes into hockey. No, I do. I've watched them play. Hockey. Yeah, I know. I watched them all play. I've gone to a lot of hockey games. I'm treated really nice by Luke Robitaille at uh, the Staples because he's uh, <laughs> chairman of the Kings or whatever he is. <laughs> and he's, uh, he's an incredibly good guy. He's a big deal, Luke Robitaille. He's a huge deal. He's a Luke's legend. He's a legend. He's a Hall of Famer, yeah, guaranteed. Yeah. I used to see him play. Yeah. And that makes me feel old because we look at each other and go, what's going on here? And uh, he's just a good, he's just a good man. And then last night you introduced us to your other buddy who runs DC. I mean, if I ever need anything in DC, now I got the guy. Steve Ross, the very handsome. He has a, a thing called Artists and Athletes, where he gets athletes and artists. Artists means singers, songwriters. Everybody. Doesn't mean painters. <laughs> yeah, no. Maybe, maybe if it's a big enough. Every painter. other kind of artist except artists. But he's uh, he's he's a connector through through uh, entertainment and and sports. Well, sports is entertainment actually. He's the guy. Well, he is. A, there's other guys that do what he does, but but he's he's like six and a half feet tall, and he's just a charming, wonderful guy. And we had a really fun night with him. I would say he's like a DC concierge. Like if you need anything in DC, uh, you want to tour the air. Sounds like he's standing behind a, a no, rope. No, but like he's like an underworld, not underworld, but he can. Underworld. He is, he's in. <laughs> he's he's on the inside. He's telling yeah, stories he about taking people through the White House on a last minute phone call. Oh, come on, get a picture at the podium inside the Oval Office. Yeah, that type of stuff. He does. There's no yeah, podium he, in the Oval Office. I don't think there's a desk. A picture at the desk. I don't know if there's a podium. I think there's a podium in the war room. Yeah. Or oh, the, or look. The, we're getting off on an exit. Yeah, let's not tell everybody all that. They don't need to know everything. This is a good sign. Your podcast is very freewheeling. It's Where do you usually do it? In your place? No, I have a studio. CBS Studios on Wilshire. So this is the cheesiest one you've ever done? Or this no, is the I, coolest? I, no, this is the coolest. Are you this kidding? This is like Motorcycles Guide to the Galaxy? This Me is like and Rob Saget in the back of an SUV going to a gig? So this is the Come on. Jack, everyone's going to talk about Jack this. Jack Kerouac-off version. <laughs> The, is the Jack Caravan version? It is Jack Caravan on the road. Um, how You're long have we been talking? What do you got? What's the time on this thing? Let's see. We've been talking for boom, one hour and one minute. You want to wrap it up? Is that enough for you? You've had enough? I don't know. I'm hearing ambulances. It seems like something's going Shit's on. Shit's really going down. Where we are, we are right storm. now, I think a goat just had a hemorrhage. You know, it's like it yeah. could be farm animals. They're rushing to the hospital. We're passing a Sunoco, Harrisburg, 68 miles to the left. People don't need to know where we are right Well, they're not going to put this out this tonight. For a, a week. Don't worry about it. No okay, one's following good. us. Yeah, everybody's following us around here. People want to see an Exxon. Yeah, no. Oh, oh we're, we're gonna going, get gas. Oh, now. we're getting gas. This oh, this is, is a perfect time to wrap up. I think it is. Bob, actually. I love you, buddy. I love you too. We're gonna I be killed wait. by a biker club. I love working with you. I love working with you. You Seriously. are. We, we are actually fist bumping, which makes us uh, manly. I'm enjoying writing and developing stuff with you. Well, I this think. is a big thing, and this could be a great thing. And we won't talk about it because we don't want to jinx it. No jinxing. But it is uh, me, not in a two-dimensional sense, because even in Full House, of course, that was a two-dimensional character because yeah. it was meant for kids. This is four-dimensional. And then you look at uh, exactly what we're working on is four-dimensional or, or maybe uh, the fifth dimension. Then we can sing Up, Up, and Away. And then we also got, uh, you know, our entourage history. And that was a two-dimensional, diabolical version of me, which people still ask me to do quotes from. And those guys still love you, man. I talk to Connolly, Jerry. They ask about you all the time. We got to go out. I, I want to hang out with these guys. Well, so then we'll do it. We'll get back. It. I'd hang out with Doug, but he's, in, he's always in Italy or Rome. Or yeah, he's too. He's, Doug's fancy. Connolly's he's shooting Gotti in uh, Cincinnati. Directing, directing that damn Gotti. thing, and he's got John Travolta playing Gotti. Yeah, who looks menacing. He looks menacing, and it's good. It looks like he doesn't look like his head was drawn on with a sharpie in this one. No, he's sharped out. No, he unsharped. Yeah, <laughs> he's he's, right. he's out sharpening. <laughs> uh, we are pulling over for gas. Mike Young, stories that need to be told. This Bob, sounds like a real glamorous trip, doesn't it? It's a great trip. I bought Well, you best. can't fly where we were going. We couldn't have chartered anything. I kept telling we Bob got we should have taken a, a setup a helicopter. We can have. I don't want some gold limo driving us around. Can I go in the food mart, please? Uh, I'm going to go in there and get some food. What about your starting. dad? I'm going to go get some food. You're going to get some food. All I'll right. go in with you, but we'll all do something. But we're out. Peace. Find uh, find the podcast on CBS Radio. Play it. Play.it.
Stories that need to be told. Mike Young, Bob Saget. Let me do my Love plugs. Love you again, buddy. Plug it out. Plug it out is uh, bobsaget.com. My big scleroderma research foundation benefits. Go to srfcure.org or call 1-800-441-CURE. We do three events a year. We did just did one in San Francisco. We had the Goo Goo Dolls and, uh, and George Lopez and just raised $600,000 and... In New York, we raised $700,000. All of it goes to research, and, and you can find news about that and our gigs, my life, whatever the hell you want, on my website. Um, and I wish you all to go get your prostate checked, uh, get your blood checked, get everything checked. Don't wait to the last minute. Yeah, go in, get a pap smear. I don't care if you're a guy, but let them check for everything. Let them check because you can cut things off before they have to get cut out. And uh, I know too many people that waited five years for stuff to happen. So, uh, and just I, I know like five people right now that n- that just need need to get to a doctor before anything develops because you can live to a fucking hundred now if you want. You your life will be shitty, but you can live. Not, I mean, I'm friends with Norman Lear, and he's ninety six years old, ninety four years old. And uh, does he, he go to the doctor a lot? I assume he does everything. I mean, they come to him. I mean, he's he's an absolute genius. He's producing one day at a time again, um, an all Latino version for Netflix, and he is just he's just a genius. And he's trying to help the world with his Norman Lear Foundation. And there's a movie coming out you got to see about him. It's coming on PBS, American Masters, and it's called Just Another Version of You. And he is just an incredibly special guy. Uh, um, can't wait to see it. And by the way, just a side note, when I was a kid watching television and I would watch those shows, I wanted to be Norman Lear. All in the family. I would see Maud, his name at the end. That's Jefferson's. Who I to be. Yeah. And that is, and the thing that he has is an incredible understanding of Human life condition. and death. And, and he, he, he's just, get food. he's a genius is what he is. That's, that's a fact. Peace. God bless. We are out. <laughs>